good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, hit cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadigi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake all over the Civic Media Network all over Turtle Island. We're here at our home base in St. Paul, but we uh, appreciate everyone in the, in the Wisconsin state, in the North and South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and also Canada that listen to us, uh, Wendy. Go ahead, say something, Wendy. Chicago, too. Say Chicago, too. Hey, hey, Wendy's back on. And we got uh, Robert Lilligren today and Wendy with their Sacred Animal section. And then uh, we always uh, start out with uh, what portion? This portion this of portion. the show. Oh. Go ahead, Wendy. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh. You go, Ogama. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. How? Oh, wrong one. Okay. Hey, I know people like Halloween. Went howling, Wendy. I can't talk. We're going to do that later on. Right on. Hey, so uh, Ogama, she does the news that you don't hear anywhere else. So why don't we get on with Ogama here and listen to what news? I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Gaylord Perry, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher who just passed on, and also our Fleetwood Mac uh, sister uh, McVie, uh, who passed on too, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hey, take it away, Ogama. Hey, Buju, Ani, and everybody, I'm Ogama Ganuakwe, and I have some news for you here on Native Roots Radio. I wanted to talk a little bit about our relatives over in Wisconsin today, Robert, since you brought them up first. And the reason for that is uh, the Associated Press dropped the story today about uh, the federal judge and what has been ordered when it comes to the Red, or excuse me, the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa suing Enbridge in federal court in 2019. They were trying to sue Enbridge Energy and force them to remove a section of the Line 5 pipeline that runs across the tribe's reservation in northern Wisconsin. And they argued that the 70-year-old pipeline poses an unreasonable risk to health and safety. Enbridge, on the other hand, agreed and plans to build a $450 million pipeline that would run 45, 41 miles around the reservation but would still traverse through the Bad River watershed. The U.S. District Judge William Conley said in an order earlier this week that the, there is a risk of significant rupture and the resulting spill could cause a catastrophic impact to the Bad River watershed. And while he has allowed to have Line 5 continue operating underneath the Bad River band of Lake Superior Chippewa's lands, the company and the tribe must create an emergency plan, an emergency plan together. So he told the company and the tribe to meet and talk about installing emergency shutoff valves and developing a protocol for shutting down and purging the line by December 17th. And they have to submit those proposals by December 24th. So a win and a loss, I think there, Robert and Wendy. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, a win and a loss sounds about right, right when. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are opposed to the Line 5 pipeline are really disappointed that the judge didn't shut the line down. Uh, for those of you who don't know, for those who are listening in Wisconsin, Line 5 carries 23 million gallons of oil and natural gas liquids daily and stretches 645 miles from Superior and through northern Wisconsin and into Michigan um, up to Sarnia on Ontario. Um, much of what is in that pipeline is not legally required to be uh, disclosed. It's kind of like KFC's secret recipe. You don't exactly know what's in there. And uh, Enbridge has a long history of uh, rupturing uh, not only their pipelines in the case of the Kalamazoo River um, in Michigan and uh, several other places here in Minnesota, but Enbridge also has a long history of damaging watersheds, uh, especially here in Minnesota. 
Healing Minnesota Stories and Scott Russell, the uh, the runner of that, um, has just posted a new photo essay about Enbridge needing about 20,000 cubic feet of grout or concrete to plug a Line 3 aquifer breach near Fond du Lac. In 2021, Enbridge's Line 3 construction workers had breached an aquifer in St. Louis County, about 400 feet west of the Fond du Lac Reservation. What Enbridge had not done prior to that and what the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources did not require was any analysis of the hydrology of the area. So right now, the St. Louis County breach took about seven months to prepare. The breach occurred in September of 2021, and the repair was reported completed on April 7th of 2022. And it released more than 630 excuse me, 263 million gallons of groundwater. And it took 24-7 grouting activities, which is basically cement, uh, to start the repair and to finish it. And it required about 20,000 cubic feet of grout to fix. That's about building a wall two feet thick, 20 feet tall, and 500 feet long through an aquifer. Um, Line three was crossing a swamp, a shrub car wetland in the winter of 2020 and 2021. And workers drove sheep piling about 27 feet into the ground to keep the construction area dry. And when they pulled that sheep piling, they realized that they had a, broken in aquifer cap. Artesian aquifers are water under pressure underground and they're held down by an aquifer cap and a confining layer. And if that cap is broken, the groundwater rushes to the surface. And uh, basically the St. Louis County site was made up of native silts and fine sands and fragile, according to Enbridge. And they just did not take the care to, uh, you know, listen to their permit here in Minnesota. I do believe their permit was uh, for sheep piling was uh, no less or no more than 20 feet into the ground. And they went 27 feet. Um, I mean, this is not the only aquifer breach here in uh, Minnesota. Currently, the state of Minnesota has disclosed that there have been three aquifer breaches uh, by Enbridge Energy in Minnesota. Uh, but citizen scientists are suspecting that there are more uh, breaches of either groundwater or um, leaks of drilling mud from when the line was installed here for line three in Minnesota. So for those of you that are listening over in Wisconsin, uh, line five is knocking at your door and there there's damage and there's um, there's danger afoot. So if you have not yet, um, make sure to get over to oil and water, don't mix, um, and also to stopline3.org and you can find uh, resources for um, what you need to know about the truth about Line 5 uh, coming through Wisconsin and uh, actions that you can take. It's always a good idea to talk to your representatives um, about that. And uh, that's all I have to say on that topic. Um I also wanted to note something that I missed earlier in the month. Um, Tim Giagio, who's Oglala Lakota, um, was the founder and publisher of the Lakota Times, Indian Country Today, the Lakota Journal, and Native Sun News, and also helped to find, found the Native American Journalists Association, which is soon to be changing to the Indigenous Journalists Association, um, has been inducted into the... Um, National Hall of Fame at the First Americans Museum on November 5th. So he's in the National Native American Hall of Fame, as he should be, and pretty excited to see that uh, as somebody who reports on news here on Native Fruits Radio. Robert, are you? Um, what do you got planned to talk with Robert Lilligren about today? I don't know, but I just wanted to bring up the fact, because uh, we're always having uh, reservation dogs people on, is that they were – Voted uh, just today, uh, I think by uh, a national newspaper, the New York Times is one of the top news or one of the top shows to watch on TV. Yeah, one of the top ten, right? Yeah, exactly. And they were like number four. Yeah, yeah. So they were doing awesome. So that's some native news right there. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, I don't keep up with those uh, as well as I should, but I'm really glad to hear our relatives and. Um, I don't know. Your nephew, uh, Bobby, <laughs> is uh, doing so well with uh, writing for uh, reservation dogs. And, um, yeah. you know, we have other relatives uh, with the new show uh, Wednesday, which is a Wednesday Adams or an Adams family spinoff. Uh, it's a Latina actress and uh, our 
Latin relatives are very excited to see that as well. And that's doing really well in the reviews too. So excited to see a lot more inclusive media and people um, in those roles. Absolutely. Hey, Pinigigi Ogama for the news. Up next, Robert Lilligren of Native American Community Development Institute. And then what you've all been waiting for, Wendy, with their sacred animal section. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Hi, this is Robert Pilot here telling you about Minnesota Native American art. Did you know that Twin Cities is known for Native art? Well, if you're not familiar, then check out All My Relations Arts. It's a program that seeks to increase the visibility and value of these incredibly talented American Indian artists in all forms of art while honoring the history and the presence of indigenous cultures. And right now, All My Relations Arts is showcasing Rosie Seamus' dance, She Who Lives on the Road to War. This is an immersive installation dance performance created by Rosie Seamus in response to global loss and the collective need to come together in peace and reconciliation. She Who Lives on the Road to War is a place for visitors to rest, grieve, console, and meditate. Performances will take place through mid-December. Find the performance schedule at allmyrelationsarts.com. I love all the indigenous art here in the Twin Cities, and I hope you can enjoy it too. Allmyrelationsarts.com. J&S Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, everybody. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Native American Community Development Institute and All My Relations Art Gallery. It's December 1st today, and you need to know that limited performances are available until December 15th for Rosie Seema's dance performance at the All My Relations Gallery. It's called She Who Lives on the Road to War. And I have heard some reviews, everybody, and it sounds like it's beautiful. It's worth going to see. You can go to allmyrelationsarts.com to get your tickets. Hey, Pina it is definitely worth to see. I saw the uh, opening night and uh, it was awesome, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we're here with, uh, oh, he just left. No, uh, just kidding. Uh, we're here with uh, Robert Lilligren of Native American Community Development Institute. And I feel like the team's back together. We got Wendy here and Robert and Ogama and me. It's a, it's a full force today, Robert. It's a reunion. Bonjour, y'all. It's good to be here. <laughs> right on. Hey, so yeah, I dropped uh, one of my ear pods. Uh oh, better get that. Oh, me and Wendy will talk uh, about yeah. something. Yeah, those ear pods are. Uh, <laughs> you can lose them like really easily. <laughs> I don't wear them. I used to wear them when I'd walk the neighborhood, and I lost one. I sneezed, and one popped out of my ear, and I didn't know where the. I had the dogs with me. and Oh, it's really hard. Sure. I was folding laundry one day, and I lost one, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and I was putting the folded <laughs> clothes away from the laundry, and there it was, like stuck inside a shirt. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah I looks- think I have small ear channels or something. It's hard for me to keep them at. But they're in now. Yep, they are. Hey, so uh, we we like to talk about national and local politics and what's happening on the avenue and um, – I don't know. I, I, I just want to start out, Robert. Uh, uh, it looks like uh, Trump didn't get his way again, and I'm kind of like half, happy about that. You know, court ends oh, yeah. like, well, special master I review. Oh, the special master review, his six years of his tax returns yeah. have been given over to Congress, and, and this is all going on the record somewhere. You know, we might not see the fruits of all of this immediately, but 
but it's building a record, right? And it'll influence 2024 elections, which is a very good thing. Right. And, I, you know, Wendy and I joke uh, when we talk about this, it's just uh, like I'd already been in jail. I'd have probably already had a couple of years in, under my belt if it was somebody like me doing all this. Right, right. Yep, yep. Justice is not equal here in this country, is it? No, it's not. And we find that out. And we always say at the end of the show, free Leonard Peltier. And uh, I, and also, Robert, like uh, Wendy always, and I, I brought this up the last time we were on, Wendy always like says, ask him what he wants to talk about. So I'm going to, in, in honor of Wendy listening to the show and being on the show tonight, I'm going to ask you, what would you like to talk about this segment? Yeah. Thanks, Robert. And Wendy, thanks for being here. Robert behaves much better when you're actually <laughs> here. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just love our conversations. But one thing I got to say as a two-spirit person, you know, the actions in our capital this week have been affirming. And I feel inc- more included. I feel seen, you know, uh, marriage equality passed the Senate. It's a little different from the House bill. So it's got to go back to the House, but that'll pass. Uh, Speaker Pelosi is committed to a, a vote next week, and so and then it goes right to the president's desk. So it'll be the law of the land. And as someone who's married to another man, that makes me feel good. Yes. Yeah, is it? Yes, is, I have relatives who women who are married to women, and they have beautiful families. Yeah. And why? Why not? Why is this even a question? Right. This should not right. even be questioned. Right, right. right. And the big question that it triggers for me is the legitimacy of our current Supreme Court. Yes. Right? And we know what their intent was. It was stated to yeah. eliminate marriage equality in this country. And, you know, I just wish they could move quickly on a lot of other things during this lame duck session. Wasn't it like uh, 62, 37 or something like that? And it's like yeah. 37 people voted against that. I just want to throw that out there. That's, I, I right. want to know who they are. We could find out. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you look at sort of demographics and where support for marriage equality is and what demographics of voters look like these days. And, you know, it's, it's a losing issue to oppose politically, you know. Politics, elections are a numbers game, completely a numbers game. And the numbers are on the side of justice and fairness and quality. And so, so voting against this, Wendy, is exactly right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an anti-justice vote. Mm-hmm. And it's going to lose elections. It'll mm-hmm. lose elections. Let it lose elections. That's all I have to say. Wendy's on fire, Robert. Wendy's on I fire. I love it. I mean, she always is. Yeah, politically. Yeah. And I, I, I would, nothing would make me more satisfied than if Congress and D.C. could move on reproductive rights, right? Reproductive access, reproductive freedom before the lame duck. But again, another numbers game. You Um, know, I I have, uh, I shouldn't say mixed feelings, but I I have little mixed feelings that 37 people voted against it and also that we're bringing this up every few years. This has been a done deal and uh, it's irritating, uh, you know. I guess that's my mixed feelings about it, is that right? Eh, yeah. Well, you know I me; mean? I'm an optimist, right? So I right. would say uh, 62 people voted for it, right? Yes. right? And that means so, 12 Republicans went over, uh, went uh, went over and voted in uh, the right side of history again. Yeah, and it was very you know, sort of the same balance in the House, and I think we'll see that again as well. And and there's been some uh, House members who are talking about they've, they've taken some heat in their districts, you know, that they're holding. And, uh, and it is, it's, it's one of those bellwether kind of issues and votes where you really feel like, you know, there's a tide turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel so, too. And the next tide would be, uh, and we talked a lot about this last couple of weeks or the last month, Robert, is that how... A lot of uh, Trump's candidates did not win. Um, I think all of them didn't win <laughs> nationally. He had a couple, right? He had a couple right. here and there. But, uh, yeah, it's it, hopefully it's emboldening the leadership of that party. And it, and it is. You're hearing some people speaking out. But, but we'll see once it gets up and running. That's why I think all this sort of criminal investigation and mm-hmm. investigations and things are so critical and and we we all know he's a crook, right? And so now right. to actually establish it. And I, I just am wondering how long it'll be before those tax returns are leaked. 
right. or at least make their way into the public. And I think it's going to be shocking what's in those tax returns. Well, we're going to know that I think the things that we assumed and one of them was that, you know, he couldn't get a loan in the United States and he had to go to Russia to get all these loans to to secure his office buildings and and all those things. And then overstating how much he was worth. Right, right. And so that's when I said, you know, we we know he's a crook and not all real estate investors or whatever. (laughs) There's honest and, you know, lots of them. But this guy is a bad operator. He made our whole nation vulnerable by making himself uh, uh, vulnerable to foreign powers and and people should know this, you know, and you know this last election, and we talked about this, I think last week or maybe after the uh, the selection, is it to me, it kind of feels like stuff's going back in a box a little a little you know, bit and things a little bit, right, and things that people were willing to say out loud because they were so emboldened by Trump and and his his ilk, you know, now it's not quite as acceptable to say that out loud in polite society, you know. And I, for one, think we're a better nation when right. people are a little bit more discreet about what they'll say out loud. And those things, mm-hmm. those things like this yay, you know, this Kanye West stuff and the Fuentes stuff, it is shocking and despicable, and we should call it that. Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, uh, many times, too. I uh, put that, you know, I saw that baseball cap like the first year Trump was elected and said uh, on the hat, it said, make racists afraid again. And, uh, you know, hopefully what you're saying is happening because, uh, you know, they have them stop voting again too. go back in your hole. Yeah, uh, right, right. Well, and and that you know that's another thing we could talk about is who's voting, right, and what the electorate looks like. And yeah. someone posted the comment about young people and how they're making a difference, you know. And so you get to those tw- thirty and under voters or potential voters, way more diverse of a population, yeah. way more informed than yeah. I know I was when I was their yeah. age. You're here. And they're motivated, and you know it's their country, it's their future. Let them decide who's gonna who's gonna run it. Yeah, a great point. And I, I the, the the Gen Zs outnumbered uh, the Boomers uh, for the first time ever in the election. And I, I don't know, Robert, you kind of hit it on the head there too, because I remember my father being a union guy, and he never really sat down and said I should vote. Uh, he maybe suggested it, but it was not the big push that we have been talking about to our young ones for the last, I don't know, 20 years is that they should go out and vote. And it does make a difference. makes a huge difference. I come from a labor family too. Both my parents were former union members or union. My dad retired from his union. About half my siblings, more than half were union members, myself included. But Mm -hmm. the thing that my folks did that, uh, that I appreciate so much today is even when I was a little, little kid, they took me to vote. They took me with them, you know, so I'd stand next to my ma and she went into the voting booth, you know, so that, that normalized that behavior. So folks with young people in their lives, take them with you, get them to the polls. Even if they're not voting it, they will be someday. And I think, I think that has been happening and uh, more so now with the new ones and the, and the boomers bringing their kids and their grandkids to the polls and saying how important it is. Hey, we're here with Robert Lilligren, the CEO of Native American Community Development Institute. And we're going to be right back and uh, talk a little bit more. Stay with us. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. As we head towards colder weather, it's important to make sure you're up to date on vaccinations and protected from COVID-19. The Native American Community Clinic is now administering the updated Pfizer bivalent booster. The updated bivalent booster helps protect against the original COVID-19 strain and against newer Omicron variants. And it will help restore protection that has decreased since previous vaccinations. People age 5 and older are now recommended to get an updated bivalent booster dose at least two months after their last COVID-19 shot. That means the bivalent booster may be given after a person's primary series or after their last booster shot, regardless of what brand you received before. Even if you've already had COVID-19, you should get vaccinated. Right now, at the Native American Community Clinic, you can get COVID-19 vaccines, including updated boosters, at the same visit as other vaccines. 
However, if you've received a recent monkeypox vaccine, you may need to wait four weeks before you can get a COVID-19 vaccine, and you should discuss this with your provider. Schedule your vaccination appointment with the Native American Community Clinic by calling 612-872-8086. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Minsure helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Minsure? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Minsure.org today and get started and get covered. That's MNSure.org. MNSure.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. When we heal from our traumas. When we face our fears. Let go of our addictions. When we relearn our values. When we live our teachings. Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit. There will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Minnesotans age 65 plus might qualify for Health Partners Minnesota Senior Health Options. The plan includes personal support, coverage for medical prescription drugs and dental, plus over 30 extra benefits. Eligibility information is available at healthpartners.com slash one plan. Health Partners is a health plan that contracts with both Medicare and the Minnesota Medical Assistance Medicaid program to provide benefits of both programs to enrollees. Enrollment in Health Partners depends on contract renewal. Hello, Minneapolis. Make sense. Make progress. Make a date. Make an appointment with me. Weeknights from 10 to midnight here on AM 950. We at AM 950 wanted to offer more thank you gifts for the great listeners who have become members. Brand new for 2023, AM 950 has the new National Parks poster featuring photos I took at the National Parks. Members who sign up for a one-time $99.50 membership or recurring $25 per month membership will receive the brand new AM 950 National Parks poster and the AM 950 2023 calendar as a thank you. Go to am950radio.com, click on the tab, and become a member now. Thank you so much for supporting AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 28. Friday, a mix of rain and snow with a high near 38. And Saturday, sunny with a high around 18. Brand new for 2023, AM 950 has a new National Parks poster featuring photos Matt McNeil took at National Parks. Members who sign up for a one-time $99.50 membership or a recurring $25 membership will receive the poster and the AM 950 calendar as a thank you. Just visit am950radio.com. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Minsure. If you need health insurance but don't know where to start, Minsure has free expert help that will walk you through your options and find a plan that saves you money. If you need health insurance, Minsure has a plan that covers your family. Visit mnsure.org to find free help. Well, yeah, find free help. That's what I always say. Thank you, uh, our new uh, sponsor, Minsure, here on Native Ritz Radio. And we are here with Robert Lilligren, uh, the CEO of Native American Community Development Institute. And we always like to have a little chat with uh, Robert about what's going on politically because, you know, uh, for you people that are just uh, coming on, Robert uh, was – well, Robert, you explained you were the first – um, I was the first American. Yeah, ever elected to the Minneapolis City Council, and I was vice president of the Minneapolis City Council for a little over 12 years. And now I serve in our regional government here in Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. It's a seven-county body called the Metropolitan Council, and I'm the first tribal citizen to serve on that body in its 50-year history. So, yeah. And I so, uh, grew up with your father, and we don't talk a lot about <laughs> this because we're all, we're all our own people, and I know as a teacher I never really – 
I never w- always brought up uh, siblings or even parents because I ended up teaching a long time. But uh, I grew up with your father on WCCO radio and uh, yeah. with my father. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of a a glass ceiling breaker for Native people. You know, he went into spaces that weren't really Native. He had a long and very successful career as an on-air personality. And interestingly, I was just talking about him this week because I met with a young Native man and who was looking for some some guidance and mentoring around pursuing his passion, which is sound and sound mm. engineering. And and I don't think he even knew who my dad was, but I was telling him about my dad's, you know, business with sound and voices and things mm. and just the things. And my dad was a really smart guy, a really mm. smart guy. And he would say these things, he would hear someone talk or maybe hear some sound mix or something. And he would make these off the cuff observations that were, so deep and so informed and almost like profound. It was like, dang, dad, you really know your business. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And also too, when he retired from radio, he was deep in the language and teaching language and yeah. for many, yeah. many years after that. Yeah. Even when I was like a teenager, maybe around high school, so in the mid seventies or something, he, uh, he would come down to the cities. We lived about half hour North. Of Minneapolis, and he'd come down a couple times a week for language tables. My mom would make a big kettle of soup or chili or something. Mm. He would come in, but I will tell you, Robert and Wendy, that uh, surprisingly young people still come up to me today and will say, "Oh, yeah, I was at language table with your dad back in the day, and he was so generous with his mm. with his time and his knowledge, and he was super humble about his ability to speak Ojibwe, but he was a dang good speaker." Because he heard it. It was in his ear as a kid, you know. Wow, yeah. And that and his name was uh Chuck Lilligren. Chuck Lilligren, yeah. Yep. Not Charles, not uh no, Charlie. Chuck. Chuck Lilligren. Yeah, uh, a White Earth member, yeah. He yeah. grew up just a few blocks from where I live today here in just just south of downtown Minneapolis, almost in downtown. In the Loring Park neighborhood, which was quite a native neighborhood back yeah. in the day. I had a lot of family living there. Well, I, it's funny. Uh, I talked to somebody that listens to our show, and what she was saying was really interesting. It was somebody that, well, I won't say who it was, but just uh, how, you know, she's in the radio business and just how we're all connected. And mm-hmm. he taking, you know, the same last name and, you know, knowing you for the last seven, eight years. Uh, and putting two and two together and go, oh, my God, your dad was Chuck. You know, those things right. happen all the time in Native country. Uh, they do. I mean, we're a small community, right? Uh, num- numerically, a small but mighty community. So, And how often do you say it and how many different languages, Native languages do you hear? We're, we're all related. We're all right. Yep. Right. Well, I know, and I know when it comes to Ho Chunk, we joke about it, but we're also serious because uh, for colonization, we were down to seven hundred members. So we literally are related. You know, I'm related. I, I looked on Ancestry.com, and Sharice Davids is like my fifth cousin. Never oh, knew that. Sure. So, you know, that makes sense. It's, it's like that what? makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I and I reminded her when I said it, and she was what? <laughs> Let's go. Okay keep reminding her yeah but it's cool how we're we're all we're all connected and people that are all out and about in the community like you are and i try to get out there that um you know we we all are like related in that Mm -hmm. way too yeah you're out in community a lot robert we see you everywhere so i appreciate that for sure well, and then we got, uh, I don't know if you're going to the Chamber of Commerce, that's Friday. Uh, I was just going to ask you that. Yes, I'm going there there with uh, John Otto's business. Uh, Wendy's not yeah. going to go because she doesn't want uh, to watch me kibitz with all these people, but I don't blame her right when. <laughs> <laughs> so for folks who aren't from Minnesota, we have, it's the Minnesota American Indian Chamber of Commerce. They do a huge annual event, kind of a gala, Senate auction. It's, it's a great event. And here's the thing, Robert. I have a ticket. For the Chambers event, but I'm not going. I'm giving it to one of my board members at NACTI because I have tickets to two galas on the same night. Wow. And I had to pick one, and the other one is the Human Rights Campaign Gala, which I haven't been to for years. And 
I'm invited to be at our congresswoman's table, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, oh. and uh, and I'm a huge supporter and huge fan. And she's invited me. Her can't her people have invited me to a couple things lately that I've had to say no to, and I feel like if I say no to this one, I'm going to be off the list. Right. No, uh, I hear so you. You'll see some nasty folks there. You'll you know, right so, on. Uh, I can't be there. Yeah, well, you'll be missed, and it'll be a lot of fun. I know. Uh, back to Ilham, I remember. Well, when she she ran for what did she run for before? Uh, she was she, she took, was a House Minnesota House representative. Yeah, she took uh, Khan's spot. Who was right? No, she didn't take Khan's spot. But uh, and I'm trying to remember her district, and all of a sudden I can't. Yeah, but, well, uh, but I heard yeah, her. So, I heard her on the radio, and I was going. She's brilliant. I uh, and she won that seat, and then she went on uh, after. I think it was uh, Al Franken resigned, and then Tina went. You know, things got shifted around, and then she ran. She'd been on her show, and we talked about a few things, and she really wasn't. She was really a good guest, but this was early in her uh, career, and she wasn't really on top of it. But I can say right now, when it came to like native issues, she's really on top of it now, and I really, really always enjoy seeing her. I appreciate her so much. Yeah, so she ran for Congress when Keith Ellison stepped down to yeah. run for uh, Attorney General here in Minnesota. And uh, and she was around the Native community before she was even in politics, you know. And yeah. I knew her for her activism. And, of course, I was a Phillips guy. And so, you know, busy around Phillips, which has a huge uh, Somali population. So I got to know her. And then, uh, then she went into City Hall and worked for a city council member. And so I knew her through that and then supported her and her. Uh, state house race and then a congressional race. And and this is the thing I really respect about uh, Ilhan Omar is that she shows up in the Native community even when she's not invited and right. not to speak, not to get, you know, a microphone in her hand. You know, and when I see her at community events and things, I always go, oh, Congresswoman, do you want, do you want to speak? Right. The crowd? She's like, no, I'm just here to be in the community and to connect with people. And to me, that's a level of authenticity Absolutely. that you don't see in a lot of people. And and I know she's not universally, you know, she always has these tough races. She's not universally supported within the district even. But I will point out that this last election, she won by the highest margin of yep. any Minnesota congressperson with the highest vote count of yep. any Minnesota congressperson. So that says something in the district with the lowest voter turnout. Wow. So that is amazing. And I think the last time I saw her, too, uh, was at the Sunrise Service uh, at uh, Bodote, I believe. Or, no, yeah. Bodé McCoska. Oh, no, you're right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And uh, she just kind of pulled in there with a mask on and was like really uh, low key. And I had to let the, the, the LaPointe brothers know that she was there because they yeah. called out all the great politicians that were there. Yep. I saw you walk up to the LaPointe brothers who were sort of holding the ceremony and say, and I figured that's what you're saying. Cause if you hadn't done it, I would have, yeah. cause again, she won't put herself forward like that. You know? So I was, I was <laughs> glad to see that you did that. So McGwitch for that. Yeah. And, uh, McGwitch for, uh, and Pini Gigi for supporting her because, uh, I think when, especially the people that are angrier with her across the country and the squad and all that, uh, those people aren't on the right side of history, and so it's really good to be on the right side of the history and enjoy her, her uh, of who she is. It is, it is. I'm looking forward to Friday when I get to spend some time with her, and uh, and I'll be thinking of you guys at the Minnesota American Indian Chamber of Commerce dinner because that is always a good time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. What else would you like to talk about? Well, the other thing that I think is so interesting, and during the break, I was looking for this article I was reading today that had good statistics, and I couldn't find it. But is this conversation that at least the National Democratic Party is moving to eliminate Iowa as the first sort of decider in a presidential race. Wow. It has a lot to do with Iowa's demographics, right? It's over 90% white. It doesn't really reflect... Uh, the country or the electorate, for sure, it's older and whiter than the broader electorate, and and so it, it seems like it's an un, unusual and maybe uh, unhelpful place to put so much investment in making that first decision. And so, Minnesota and Michigan are two of the top contenders to be first. 
and uh, uh, in the just yeah, we're closer to the national demographic. You know, some would argue, I would argue, Michigan is kind of a big state, and that might mm-hmm. be uh, a little resource intensive. So that kind of lift up maybe Minnesota's chances, but uh, but also they both have trifectas, democratic trifectas wow. in their states. So the laws that would need to be passed to effectuate the the first the first go the first bite of the presidential apple could be put in place. So stay tuned. It's it's just about to be decided. It kind of looks more like Michigan, but I'm not ruling out Minnesota because I know those Minnesota party folks are working it. Wow, that would be great. Uh, thank you, Robert. And that would be great because uh, what four years ago or three years ago we went down there for prior to the prior to Iowa's. Uh, caucus uh, we went down there for uh the presidential forum and maybe they'll have the presidential forum here in minnesota then if we have wouldn't that, that be something wouldn't that be something? Right. well hey have a good time tomorrow and pinagigi for all you do and uh for coming on as as always uh really enjoy our conversation back at y'all thanks so much Enjoy all right hey, you right, on. right on that was robert lilligren of the native american community development institute and now uh what we're all waiting for up next wendy with our sacred animal section stay with us this is native roots radio presents i'm awake Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. Hey, Wendy, what are we doing for dinner after the show? How about we go to Jay Selby's on 169 Victoria Street in St. Paul. They have a delicious plant-based menu that's compassionate and environmentally sustainable. I'm getting their spot-on vegan Big Mac, the dirty secret. You can pick up and they deliver within a five-mile radius, or you can call them at 651-222-3263 or visit jayselbys.com. Well, you sold me one. Let's go order at Jay Selby's tonight. I'm hungry. Health insurance that fits my budget? I'm covered. I needed health coverage I could count on and afford. Minsure helped me find a plan that works for me, and they helped me save money. Did you know that most Minnesotans qualify for savings through Minsure? And they have free experts who can help you sign up for coverage. Go to Minsure.org today and get started and get covered. That's mnsure.org. mnsure.org. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howling! Woo! Oh, good one. Good one. Good one, everyone. We uh, That's a, a staple of our show is howling for wolves. Mm-hmm. Wait, howling for wolves. That's right. Well, you know what I mean. Hey, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy's been an animal advocate for many years. And we speak uh, since the year one, uh, day one of uh, Native Ritz Radio. We talk about our sacred animals. So take it away, Wendy. Hey, everybody. Hi. I'm happy to be here tonight. My name is Hanaji Hihani, and that means cares for them. I was given that name by my dega, Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer 
leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. How? How? <laughs> That's right. So Howling for Wolves has um, supported Native Roots Radio also from day one. Yes. Uh, their awesome organization, Dr. Maureen Hackett, is mm-hmm. the founder and president of Howling for Wolves, and I'm really excited to talk about what they're doing on February 7th, and I'm going to ask people to save the date. Uh, so Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, is going to be Wolf Day uh, at the Minnesota State Capitol, and I'm really excited um, to sign up. I already signed up uh, to go there on February 7th, and what uh, this event is is we're going to be able to talk about uh, the wolves, why it's important to save the wolves, uh, why it's important to stop a wolf hunt, uh, and you – Everybody out there who lives in Minnesota can come to the Minnesota State Capitol or you could sign up and do a virtual visit if you don't feel comfortable coming to the State Capitol um, to talk to your uh, senators and representatives about why you feel it's important to save our Minnesota wolves. And I'm really excited about it because I've done this in the past uh, for Wolf Day and for uh, Humane Lobby Day, which I do for the Humane Society of the Mm -hmm. United States every year and it's yeah. a really it's a really um, fun and empowering day uh, where you meet people who are like-minded and you make new friends and uh, you're going to check in on February 7th after you sign up at 10 a.m at the Minnesota State Capitol um, they're going to have great uh, guest speakers, including Dr. Maureen Hackett who oh, again yeah. is the founder of Howling for Wolves. Oh. An organization (laughs) fighting to protect wolves for future generations. That's right. One of the guest speakers um, I'm excited to to tell you about is Dr. Michael W. Fox. Um, And he's been involved from the very beginning to uh, protect wolves. And he's also a veterinarian. So he is very well versed and uh, knows why it's important to save our wolves. Um, Howling for Wolves also has the greatest uh, little, um, I don't know, what do you call it? A logo. So it's the non-lethal keep the pack intact. I love that. Uh, So listen, everybody, go on. We We have the link to sign up. Uh, for Wolf Day on our um, f- Facebook page. And right now, if you're listening and you're watching on Facebook Live, you could just uh, find the information or you could just Google uh, Wolf Wolf Day at the Capitol Howling for Wolves and it pops right up and you just have to click on the link, fill in your information. They're going to serve lunch, which is awesome. And you also get a Howling for Wolves t-shirt oh. uh, and you could just say what size you want. Extra large, Yeah, please. you pick the size <laughs> you want um, and go. And it's, it's really awesome because you meet with your state senator. So I would meet with Aaron Murphy and I would go in either by myself or hopefully with a group of people. And and here's the thing, when when the when your representatives and senators see a group of people who care about the same thing coming in and talking about this, they know it's important. So when it comes across their desk, they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had 20 people in my office talking about this or, oh, I had you know, 10 phone calls about this or, oh, I had this amount of people uh, show up in the rotunda at the state capitol. This is really important to my constituents and this is something I need to look at and care about because they can't know everything. Your state um, senators and representatives don't know what's important to you until you let them know. Um, and also, um, I'm going to put this out for Maureen Hackett that I will be there on um, February 7th. And what I've done in the past for the Humane Lobby Day is to help people, let's say it's a one person going in to see their legislator or their their senator. And sometimes it's really intimidating if you've never done this before and it's kind of scary and people don't want to do it, I would volunteer and go with them to their appointment um, and just be there to um, help them along and answer any questions that they have. So I would I would cool. put 
Yeah, I would do that. No problem for uh, Wolf Day. Again, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. Uh, it starts at 10, o- 10 o'clock. You check in, and then the day goes by and has lots of great stuff, lunch and speakers, and you'll meet with your uh, senator and legislator. Tuesday the 7th. Tuesday the 7th. Yeah, put it in your calendar and mark the day. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited about another T-shirt. Yeah, I don't have that much time left, but I just wanted to give (laughs) some like fun facts about uh, wolves. You know, once a wolf has found a mate, they tend to stay together for better or worse. Robert, that's better than some people, right? (laughs) Through sickness and in health, often until death do them part. Um, Of course, it's typical only the alpha male and female that breed. So that's normally what happens in a pack. So here's the thing. Let's say they have a trophy hunt, right? And then the hunters go out and they kill the wolves indiscriminately. They don't know who the male and female alpha, uh, you know, ones that are the alpha and who only mate, right? So they, they kill the alpha, uh, male or the alpha female, and then that breaks up the pack. Not only you know is the other animal sad because their mate is gone and dead, but now the other members of the pack will mate, and then you make more wolves, right? Wow. Exactly. So this is a, one of the reasons why it's important not to kill our wolves. Right. And you know what? Wolves will die for each other. In addition to the trend uh, toward monogamy, wolves develop such strong social bonds for their family and other loved ones. They have been known to sacrifice themselves for the survival of the pack and the family unit. That's more over Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all about the howl. Perhaps the most well-known characteristic of the gray wolf is its penetrating, hauntingly beautiful howl. And we try to mimic that every day when we introduce Howling for Wolves. This is primarily a communication tool both between lone wolves and their pack as well as between packs. When it comes to territory, inner packed howling will determine the size and strength of different packed, often, often determining whether or not the attack or to attack or retreat. So they use that howl. Uh, as an important communication tool. Wow. Yeah. What so a, let's keep the pack intact. Everybody sign up Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. Yeah, excellent. And then uh, get helped by Wendy uh, going to yeah, see your I'd Senate, be happy to state help senator you. and representative. Definitely. She'll hold your hand and uh, teach you uh, the good way because you've been doing this for years. Yeah, I've been doing it quite a few years. Wow. And it's really fun. It's exciting too and I'll add a t-shirt to my collection. I appreciate that, <laughs> Wendy. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, Robert Lilligren, Ogama, and uh, and our intern in the background doing all the background stuff. I really appreciate Ayana. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Stay with us. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs> <laughs>